Have you tried the new Dale Jr. potato chips? Are you wondering where you can find them? Today is your lucky day. Go to DaleJrFoods.com to see where you can find the chips in your area or place an order online. You can have them shipped right to you. That's DaleJrFoods.com. This is Dale Jr., and you're listening to Dirty Mo' Radio. Poly orchidism. Junior Nation no. uses the word poly what? Poly orchidism. The Dale Jr. Download starts now. With Mike Davis, I'm Taylor Zarzer. Anything happened in Daytona, Mike? Man, everything happened in Daytona. The weather was beautiful. It never rained, which is funny because NASCAR unveiled this big, you know, galactic Death Star jet dryer, and they never had to use it. it there you it go. Never had to crank it. Yeah, not, uh, it wasn't on fire. That's a real good thing. So Dale Jr. finishes with a couple of top five finishes over the weekend, fourth place in the nationwide race on Saturday. Man, that was scary deal there at the end. We'll get to that in a minute. And uh, he is third, second-place finish in the last three years in the Daytona 500. Let's start there. Man, uh, if you're a part of Junior Nation, you were losing your mind on that last lap. My man was coming. He was. was he not? Yeah. The run he got off turn two. It reminded me of something that Tony Sr. said, Tony Uri Sr. said years ago, how nobody gets that runoff of turn two like Dale Jr. And he lagged back just like he does, and he had Mark Martin behind him and shot out of a cannon going down the back stretch, passed Danica for fourth, uh, I'm sorry, Danica for third, Biffle for second, and got up to Jimmy right at the end, just ran out of room, just ran out of time. Can I say he drove his ass off? Sure. Okay, well. I think he drove more than that. He did. He absolutely drove his ass off, and I – I thought he had the fastest car on the track there in the last uh, 20 laps, really. And, yeah, I mean, I know you always play the coulda, woulda, shoulda deal, but I, I thought in the la- if you give him another turn, you give him another 100 yards, that man wins his second Daytona 500. But still, an unbelievable performance, a great way to start the season. I, I want to ask you, he's had three of these now in the last four years. 2010, right. he's... He's all over the track, going from 22nd to 2nd through those green-white checkers. It was unbelievable, finishing 2nd to McMurray. Last year, he finishes 2nd to Kenseth. There, after all the jet dryers and the rain and the cautions and racing Kozlowski to the urinal, I mean, it was a crazy <laughs> night in the middle of the night. And then this year – He won year, that, by the he way. He did win that race, okay. yes. And, then, and I, uh, yeah, I saw JRM 360 on that one last year. And then, of course, you had yesterday with what happened – Finishing right behind five time. What was the hardest swallow, you think? The hardest second-place finish yeah. to swallow? Uh, probably last year because I think I speak for all of Junior Nation that Greg Biffle should have at least attempted, acted like he was going to try to win it. But, you know, he stayed tucked in behind kids with uh, Junior passed Biffle for second. You know, the Jamie McMurray, the one he won uh, yeah. when Junior finished second to him, it was so impressive how Junior got up to second in the first place. I thought that was actually more impressive than McMurray's performance of winning the race. So that that felt like a win almost. You know, yesterday, I just, again, I was just impressed. I was in awe of how he just moved up through there. He sent me a text afterwards saying, you know, I had a move to say for the last dance, right? And so I said, man, he had that planned in his head, and, uh, you know, he certainly made a, made the most of it. Incredibly entertaining, I thought. Some, th- some you know, always want to say, oh, it should have been double wide, and it should, the whole the whole race should have been two and three wide, and, you know, there should have been more drafting and, and all of that. I thought it was great. And how about this? Highest rating. It's got a 10 rating. It's up 30% from last year. It's the best rating since 2006. So that tells you that people certainly were entertained. Let's talk about that fourth-place finish 
on Saturday, too. Crazy. Uh, he finishes fourth in the nationwide race, and he comes across the start-finish line in uh, a little unconventional fashion. Well, I was down in Dale Jr.'s pit, which was down a ways, way past the start-finish line. And when he came by us, he was backwards, and he had a car on top of him. So, yeah, that was a little untraditional. It's yeah. not it's certainly not how you expect to see a top-five finish, but yet he did finish fourth. Regan almost won um, and for Junior Motorsports, which would have been real nice. And obviously – the big crash and, you know, obviously debris going up into the stands was un- very unfortunate, and I'm glad that – and I'm just glad everybody's okay. Yeah, I, I am too. And I have to tell you, it, you know, everybody wants to be the, the armchair quarterback after something like that happens. Right. Your first thoughts are with the families of those impacting, and I'm so glad that it seems like everybody's improving. But now the thought is, okay, what does NASCAR have to do? I have to tell you, I have full confidence that they're not, they're not going to accept any further liability – in a situation like this, should it arise again. In other words, if an engine is flying hundreds of miles an hour and happens to come out of a car, which is incredibly fluky, I think that NASCAR is going to do everything they can. I bet they're meeting as we speak to try to make sure that does not go through a fence. Uh, Tires don't go through a fence. But I have to tell you also, I thought that the fence did its job. It kept Larson's car on the track. So I'll be curious to see what happens moving forward, but it was a scary deal. It was scary, and man, the sound—the sound that you heard uh, when it hit that crossover gate—I'd he- I'd heard it only one other time, and that was in 2002 when Mike Harmon crashed at Bristol, and he hit the crossover gate as well. And uh, man, it just sounded like a bomb went off over 40 screaming race cars, which ought to tell you how significant that sound was. But you know, it was an unfortunate deal. I'm glad everybody's okay. I think we should shut up now. Let's go ask people that know what they're talking about. Okay, let's do that. Let's speed dial. Speed dial. All right, Steve Latart, crew chief of the number 88 National Guard Chevrolet. Stevie, a hell of a race on Sunday, man, uh, to come from midfield like you were and uh, come all the way to the to the front of the line and finish second. And, and who knows, man, one more lap, you might have won it. Tell us uh, from two weeks ago. To, to to yesterday, just how much improvement you guys made? Because I know that the the last few days were a little bit stressful. Yeah, I mean, without a doubt, you know, we went down there and tested in January. I thought we had a pretty solid test, but you never really know. Um, and then qualifying was a little disappointing. Qualified 11th, thought we really had a shot at the top five. You know, Hendrick Engines covered the front row, so really we had no excuse from a power standpoint. We just didn't quite get the speed we, we thought we needed. And then it kind of all just spiraled a little bit from there we weren't as fast as we needed to be in the unlimited and then wednesday we broke a motor so we didn't get a lot of practice time for the 150 and then in the 150 we were average at best maybe a ninth or tenth place car out of 20 so friday and saturday the stress was definitely higher you know we picked up the tempo picked up the the um, practice tempo and what we had to get done Unfortunately for us, we kind of turned over the correct stones and found some speed and, and ran a good patient daytona 500 and Almost. I guess it's good to be disappointed with second. Steve, you said to Junior right before that last restart, everybody else wants to come here to run good. You're coming here to win. Now, what was it like from your vantage point on that pit box to watch your man go to work on those last 10 laps? Man, it was beautiful. You know, he does stuff with a car that, that you know, you don't think can be done. And really, i got to applaud him and the team because we didn't have that car. Even as good as he is, he didn't have that car on Thursday. Um, but he was patient through practice. He gave us some good feedback. The guy made some great changes, and the, and and it really was fun to watch. He's so good at this style of drafting, picking them off one by one. And then when we saw him back up to the 55 through one and two, 
coming to the checkered. We knew it was going to be spectacular. Now, I didn't think it was going to be quite that spectacular. Um, I hate that that run, you know, stalled out when it did because even if we didn't win it, I w- it would have been really cool to finish side-by-side side with our teammate. You mentioned his patience. I want you to talk a little bit more about that because that's something I really noticed listening to you guys yesterday throughout the race. If you're Steve Letard, if you're on the 88 team, if you're part of Junior Nation, you got to get – pretty frustrated every time you try to go to the bottom or, or run out of line and, and you try to get a run and you can't get one and you have to get back in the pack and, and you're stuck there somewhere 19th or 20th yet he stayed patient throughout the race every time he communicated to you how big was that well i think it, it really was a testament to his confidence in the car and in his race team and i think you know that's the difference between i'm a huge sports fan that's the difference between being a race fan and being a crew chief. Is the race fan wants Dale Jr. to lead all 200 laps in yeah. the Daytona 500. Right. I want him to lead the 200th lap, and that's the big difference. And you know, it's like when I watch my Red Sox. I want them to win by 15. They just care about winning, and you know that's the difference. And and I love Junior Nation. I love their excitement, but but I think they're starting to learn to have a little confidence in us. That my man behind the wheel, he's patient. He knew what he was doing, and we got the car better all the week. All week. And hopefully we can continue to do that for the weeks to come. Man, you didn't tell me this dude was a Red Sox fan. I didn't want I to. I mean, why? I mean, I've because already, I didn't want you to know that. Yeah, but I already liked him. I mean, now I'm going to have to, God. I knew wait. this was going to up the bromance to a whole well, new Well, I'm going to have to send him to Fenway now. Uh, there, are there other, I mean, there's other baseball teams? Not that I'm aware of, no. That's what I'm talking about. There's yeah. some, they wear pinstripe pajamas in New York, but I yeah. don't know about that. I, I call them the evil empire. Um, That's right. Yeah, last thing for you, for three months – you're thinking about Daytona. You, you've got uh, the test in January. You've got a brand-new car. You're down there for a couple weeks. It it just feels like, Stevie, you empty the tank emotionally to prepare for that race. And everybody today wants to talk about what happened yesterday. You've got to move on and think about this next one, right? I mean, talk about how you have weeks and months to prepare for that one, and then you got five days to some degree to prepare for this one. Well, not even five. The Phoenix cars leave the day. So with the West Coast race, the trucks have to leave. But that's kind of the key in racing is, you know, for three months, the media talked about the Daytona 500 and worked on the Daytona 500. But our shop's been busy at work. I look out of my window here in my office and I see two Phoenix cars in paint all put together, ready to go in the truck, two great-looking orange Amp Energy cars getting ready to go to Las Vegas. You know, we got cars built, prepared, ready to go. We've had some off-track testing in the wind tunnel and the shaker rig, and we've been doing everything we can do. You know, Phoenix statistically is probably the worst track for Dale and I. So we've put a lot of work in it this winter. It's a hard place. You can't go test for it. They've changed the tire. There's a lot of unknowns. And this is going to be the first time. You know, Daytona's a week and a half. It's kind of like a slow vacation. But now, Phoenix is three days. Check-in, tech, qualify, practice, race. Boom, boom, boom. And this is really going to start to get the race teams into rhythm. And uh, we're excited to go out there and hopefully back up a second with another strong run. All right, man. Go get them, Stevie. Uh, have a great week. Look forward to talking to you again soon. All right, man. Thanks for having me on. And hopefully uh, hopefully we have some good stuff to talk about in the weeks to come. All right, Dan, the junior fan, Sports Capes Construction, Red Oak, Texas. There's some people here at JR Motorsports, for whatever reason, that have entrusted Dan, the junior fan, to speak on behalf of Junior Nation. Oh, Lord, help us. Uh, Dan, uh, tell us, is Junior Nation happy today? Junior Nation's uh, pretty dang happy, son. Let me tell you, when, when the week started, for you know, it didn't start off all that fantastic, but there was no panic. I mean, I mean, Junior, the Tart, I mean, all the guys, it just seemed like, okay, it's not, we'll just keep working on it, working on it. And then Saturday, uh, I 
I mean, they found what they were looking for Saturday. Everybody just felt really good that, okay, these guys knew they weren't on. They worked on it. They found it. Let's put this sucker away. And you know, when you listen to the race, yeah, we finished second. But the whole time you're listening to Junior on the race, he was ready to go. He knew what he needed to do. I mean, it's the first 125 miles or so, he's, you know, kind of figuring it out, wondering why nobody would go with him. And, you know, the way they react, I mean, finishing second is great. But you don't have to win the Daytona 500 to win the, the championship. I mean, Jimmy Johnson's only won it twice. He's got a lot more championships than Daytona 500. But for, for those guys that come out of the box, not panic, um, have everything under control, work hard. But the way that they've got their confidence around that team is just unbelievable. That's really what I was looking for, and I was glad to see it. Dan, you were always confident about junior season, but it feels like you're even more confident. Why? I think Dale's been afflicted with maybe uh, polyorchidism, but he's not suffering from it. He's embracing it. And I think that's what this team has missed, and we've got it. We've got some swagger and behind the wheel and – um, I think we're going to get five races, and I'm looking forward to championship, guys. Poly what? Poly orchidism. Junior Nation no. uses the word poly <laughs> what? Poly orchidism. It's a less ribald way of saying he's got a big ball bag. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's why we bring on Dan, the junior fan from Red Oak, Texas. We'll definitely call you back here in the next few weeks. Be good, my friend. Thanks, guys. All right, Matthew Berry, fantasy expert for ESPN and friend of Dale Jr.'s. Matthew, you stepped out of your uh, everyday role as the uh, fantasy expert at uh, ESPN, ESPN, and I know you spent the day in Daytona as Dale Jr.'s guest for the Great American Race. Tell us how your experience was. Well, it was fantastic. It was fantastic. First off, though, I want to say I don't believe I stepped out of my role as fantasy expert. I have <laughs> to tell you, every single person I met – uh, from Dale's friends to Dale's team, everyone had to explain to me how Dale does in his fantasy league, how uh, how there's how some trade that Dale got over on them and that they're all bitter about, and how they want my help next year instead of uh, instead of helping Dale. So uh, it came it came up quite a bit, I have to say. Add me to that list of bitter uh, bitter guys, because yeah, <laughs> uh, because you know what, everybody knows that. People wear you out all week, and even if they if they have your number, they text you, and they're trying to get advice and tips. Now, where does Dale Jr. rank on this as far as if on a scale of 1 to 10, and 1 being the least annoying and 10 being the most annoying, where is Dale? Oh, Dale's like at a 1 or a 2. Dale's, I mean, he's really, you know, I mean, he's the same over text as he is in person or, you know, that anyone sees like an interview. He's really easygoing. He's low-key he um he doesn't abuse my phone number um and uh no no he's really and you know every once in a while when a prediction of mine will go the wrong way he doesn't beat me up over it either he's always just like ah i was leaning the same way don't worry about it so he's actually um you know among my friends he's uh he's very low maintenance actually and to be honest with you mike um and taylor i it's something that uh i enjoy quite a bit and it's my pleasure especially after uh him and uh, everyone uh, uh, with his team was such a gracious host. We had, and um, uh, my wife and I came uh, came down for the uh, for the 500 and had an unreal time. Okay, so this was your first NASCAR race, Matthew. What yeah. was your reaction when you saw them go by full speed for the first time? Holy crap, that's fast! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know it's one of those. I mean, it, I'm sure it's the most obvious and you know common response, but 
that was my reaction. I, I have never been to a NASCAR race, as, as you noted. Obviously, as somebody who works at ESPN for a number of years, you see it on SportsCenter all the time. You see the races on TV, and you're like, oh, yeah, you know. But until you're there, and, you know, you guys were so gracious, and, and Dale was so gracious, I got to watch from the pit. So, you know, I was right up close, and just the first time they come whizzing around, you're like, wow, holy mackerel. And, uh, I mean, it was, you know, I was just blown away by, by the speed and the precision of all the cars and just, you know, how, um, how, how thin the margin was between each car, uh, you know, between, between certain places and that kind of stuff. You know, watching a pit stop up close is, you know, is a, is a, is a work of art, to be perfectly honest. You know, seeing, seeing the precision which the guys on Dale's team do that, like, the whole thing was, was mind-blowing to me. And something tells me you're freaking out on that last lap when he when he got all the way up to second and almost had a shot at winning that. You realize if he would have passed the 48 and won the race, you would have had to go to the remaining 35 races, right? Uh, uh, absolutely. I, we were pounding our fists up in the up in the pit, like you know, because I think he started that lap in sixth, and then uh, you know, I know last couple laps he was in sixth, and then like we were watching, we're watching, we're watching, and he's creeping up, we're creeping up, we're like, make the move, make the move, and then all of a sudden he was like fourth and second, we're like, come on, come on, come on, and, you know, I, I think if he'd had 200 more yards, he'd have had him. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was an unbelievable finish, and, uh, you know, listen, uh, would have loved to see him win, but uh, second place, certainly uh, nothing to sneeze at, uh, you know, at Daytona. Matthew Barry, you host the award-winning podcast, the Fantasy Focus on ESPN Radio, and you're extremely gracious to join us here today on the Dale Jr. Download. Appreciate it, my friend. Uh, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much. And listen, officially a NASCAR fan now. You've converted another. All right, Mike Davis, let's go off the grid. Off the grid. Give me some real good Twitter overreactions during the race yesterday. All right, I'll give you some. Because the, these cracked me up, yep. actually, uh, you know, during the race. Everybody's a crew chief on their couch. And, yep. and so uh, we put out on Dirty Mo Radio's Twitter handle yesterday, you know, it was about 30 laps to go. We're like, what do you think Junior's chances are to win the race? Yeah. All right. Uh, Dutzman says slim to none. Do you have a reaction to that, Taylor? <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't think Dutzman knows uh, anything about racing. Uh, Alice Bell 11 said, I'm sick of this single lane racing. If they're not going to race, shorten the blank race. I think that a lot of people probably feel that way as it's going on, but I, I like this a lot more than the two-car tango. Got to be honest with you there. I'm with you on that one. Scarecrow67 says, looks like yesterday, being the nationwide race, he can't get anyone to work with him. Still have hope for Junior Nation. What I, do you think? Well, I think he's accurate there, and I think that Junior and, and Stevie were talking about it during the race, and, and that's what Stevie's reaction was. A lot of other people want a good finish. You want to win the thing. And there was too much fear of pulling out a line of, oh, no, nobody will go with me. And I just love the fact that Junior races with no fear. Let's do it. Let's go low. Let's go high. Let's go in the middle. Whatever it takes to get to the front. So I I can understand Scarecrow's frustration. I will say this, though. Is it not funny to you how every fan base thinks their driver, that nobody will work with their driver? Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, among fellow drivers, everybody accuses Dale Jr. of having all the help. Yeah. You know, Matt Kenseth gives it to him all the time, like, what do you mean nobody helps you? Everybody helps you. But if you ask Junior Nation, nobody helps Junior. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you watched yesterday, there wasn't he wasn't getting a lot of help. I mean, every time he tried to go in the middle, if you if you listen to uh, T.J. Majors, the spotter for the first thirty or forty laps, uh, still in the middle, still in the middle, still in the still middle, still in the middle, still in the middle. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of that. 
Brotherhood 665 says, loving the gyro. Is it the gyro cam? Yeah, it is the gyro cam, and I love it too. I loved it. I loved it. I mean, it gives people an understanding that don't understand the sport. It gives them, a, it makes them realize, man, if you're sitting in that passenger seat, you're like three feet above the driver. It's crazy. I find myself sitting there trying to lean one way just to counter the <laughs> yeah. the, the, the uh, slant that I have on the screen. I put my seven year old daughter about three feet ahead, uh, on, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, above me, just so it. Kind of feel like I was there. Some post-race tweets. Yeah. Uh, here's one for you. DK Junior 12 said he waited too long. He should have made the move two laps prior. Come on, man. What? Well, he would he would have finished 14th if he made the la- two, two laps. laps. Two laps. You realize prior. how long two laps is? He picked off six, eight, ten, twelve cars in right. two laps. Right. Do you realize if he makes the move two laps or sooner, he Finishes behind Stenhouse. Right. You know, I mean, right. Stenhouse finished in the teens somewhere. It's uh, it's crazy here. All right, let's see here. Here's another one. Um, boring today, no risk takers. What do you think about that, Taylor? I, I disagree with that. I, some are going to say that, and I saw that on my Twitter feed when I said hell of a race and I, how much I enjoyed it. Um, and some said, oh, it was boring. It was single file, all that. I, I, look, it was, a, it was a car you can buy that we can go buy today. You're seeing that on the track. I thought it, it it's it maneuvers a lot better than the car of tomorrow does, and there's no of this two car tango stuff. I'm much more about pack racing than I am about you know this two car tango stuff. And also keep this in mind: it's the very first, first race. race they've ever used the car. You know, I mean, as when they get to Talladega in a few months, you're going to see more of two and three wide. When they go back to Daytona in July, you'll see more of that. It's the first race. You know what? You know what's interesting to me about that. I'm not saying that there weren't parts of it that might have been boring. You know, to sure. use it. But you know what? This this whole dynamic that people have today, where they have to be entertained every yeah. second of every minute of every hour of every day of yeah. every, you know instant gratification. Come on, yeah. I mean. Okay, are- so they thought it was boring, huh? All right. Well, look, I love all 36 races. When when they go to Pocono, uh, what are you gonna say when they go to Pocono for two and a half, three hours? Okay, and you and you hear, meow, meow. Okay, I mean that. Yeah, you know, come on now. Don't tell me compared to what you're about to see in a lot of single file separated by two seconds races. That was not boring. Lady and Do Green eighty eight said Junior did great. Just tell him to stop pushing JJ to wins. He needs <laughs> to be the him. one that is being pushed. Yeah. Uh, ask Marcus Ambrose from the January testing. First of all, you can't push anybody <laughs> to a win. Uh, first of all, secondly, Junior never got to his bumper. If Junior no. could get to his bumper, Dale Earnhardt Junior would have passed him and been in victory lane. He couldn't get a run off of uh, turn four after Martin was fighting everybody else for third, fourth, and fifth place. He never pushed anybody. If you want to talk about pushing, watch the 2011 last lap of the Daytona 500. Right. Well, that cracks me up, but considering he started the segment in six. I'm yeah. sorry. He started the, the restart in yeah. six, was in fourth on the last lap. Anyways, right. uh, I'll finish with this one. Buckeye Barnes once said, TJ Majors and Junior were constantly setting up a pass one car at a time. Great effort. Uh, you know, and he's right. That's actually a good observation about how much work TJ and Junior had to do talking to each other just to try to make a single pass. I, I was blown away by the communication yesterday from from TJ to Stevie to Junior. I, I thought everybody did a whale of a job yesterday with the 88 team. Great stuff. All right, that's it for uh, our uh, Twitter overreaction segment here as we go off the grid. All right, Stevie, let's drop the white flag. There you go, buddy. White flag. 
All right, Dale Jr. is heading to Washington, D.C. tomorrow evening for the annual National Guard Youth Challenge event. It's closed to the public, but you're going to see some media over the next few days stemming from that. Next Wednesday, March 6th, he'll be in Las Vegas for the Amp Energy appearance in front of Caesars Palace, Taylor. Oh. Expect burnouts on the streets of Vegas. That's all I'm going to tell you. (laughs) This weekend, he heads to Phoenix with the rest of the Sprint Cup Series. Qualifying is Friday, and the race is Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox. Speaking of Phoenix, Taylor, Junior is not running in the nationwide race for Junior Motorsports, but you want to know who is? Um, the guy that won the race? Daytona 500 winner, Jimmy Johnson. He is driving for Junior in the number five Great Clips car in the nationwide race. Get some of that. I like it. Jimmy working for Junior. All right, guys, that's been the Dale Junior download. Don't forget, you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and get it right to your smartphone free of charge. And as always, you can find us at DaleJr.com. For Mike Davis. Taylor Zarzer. This has been the Dale Jr. Download. Thanks for listening to Dirty Mo' Radio. 